When I first heard about the Michael Shively case, it sounded too strange to be true. And as I investigated it further, it got stranger and stranger. I would like to thank the board members of the Fanny Robin Foundation for allowing me to take the time and spend the money to research this article I'm about to read called The Red Queen's Rules, The Tumenez Tribunal and the Anti-Socratic Revolution in American Education. Over the past two decades, I've witnessed a seismic anti-Socratic shift in American education. Put simply, many universities cannot afford to upset their students. Although tuitions have tripled since 1975, many institutions of higher learning, backed by non-default student loans, engaged in financial speculation. Often operating on lines of credit, many schools balance their books by relying on exorbitant fees and underpaid labor. In order to keep their student customers happy, academic administrators weaponize the power of complaint for their increasingly frail student bodies. Quote, it's astounding how aggressive students' assertions of vulnerability have gotten in the past few years. Emotional discomfort is regarded as equivalent to material injury, and all injuries have to be remediated, wrote feminist film professor Laura Kipnis. Quote, most academics I know, this includes feminists, progressives, minorities, and those who identify as gay or queer, now live in fear of some classroom incidents spiraling into professional disaster. The story you are about to read or hear is about unaccountable academic administrators who see colleges and universities as self-esteem builders where, quote, student success is guaranteed and the student customer is always right. What they fail to realize is that success first must be earned and it is meritless if mandated. Let the jury consider their verdict, the king said for about the 20th time that day. No, no, said the queen. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. In September, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 10th District heard a case brought by the estate of Utah Valley University, UVU, Professor Michael Shively. It alleges that the university's president, Astrid Tamenez, former general counsel, Karen Clemez, and Sarah Flood, an Australian who currently teaches in the Department of Biology, conspired to destroy Shively's career and drove him to suicide. Unless the appellate court intervenes, UVU's unchecked behavior will set a troubling precedent for 21st century American higher education. Due process protections will no longer extend to the academic help. Michael Shively taught anatomy at Utah Valley University for 27 years. During his career at UVU, he was named Teacher of the Year five times, received nine Teaching Excellence Awards, served as President of the Faculty Senate, was featured in the university's, quote, Experts in the Classroom series on public television, and did not have a single disciplinary incident in his career. His problems began on February 27, 2019, when Catherine Cat Brown, the university's associate vice president of academic administration, received an email from a male undergraduate identified only as, quote, student one. He charged that Shively's course placed, quote, unfair demands on students because he monopolized, quote, so much student time. Student one also charged that the anatomy professor used, quote, tests to gratify his ego by making questions almost impossibly difficult, and that Shively's textbook contained transphobic language. There was only one problem. Student one had never been Michael Shively's student. 
This email complaint was the first shot in an academic coup orchestrated by Student One's professor, Sarah Flood. Although Michael Shively supported the Australian professor's hiring in 2015 and even helped her get tenure in 2018, by 2019, she wanted her rival fired. Earlier in February, Flood told Marshall Walker, her paid teaching assistant, to collect student complaints about Shively because she had a meeting with, quote, one of the heads of UVU and needed, quote, specific stories about how anatomy with Dr. Shively has affected them emotionally and physically. Walker sent the following email to students on February 21, 2019, quote, There is currently a review on Dr. Shively being done on how he runs the program. This is a great opportunity for you to express how anatomy has affected your life decision on your major, how ridiculous his tests, ELAs were, etc. Walker urged the students to email him ASAP because he had to, quote, turn this information into the UVU president by Wednesday. Why would Astrid Tumenez, the president of a large public university and a former executive at Microsoft Asia, involve herself in a faculty squabble? Biology professor Jim Harris and other members of the UVU faculty who are unwilling to go on record due to fear of retribution allege that student one was Astrid Tumenez's nephew. President Tumenez's spokesperson would neither confirm nor deny this fact. Harris told investigative journalist Steve Murphy, quote, I was a little shocked by the aggressiveness of one of the student accusers, who was also the ringleader and happened to be the nephew of the president of the institution. In the weeks after Walker sent out, sent out his email to students, the university received a number of suspiciously similar complaints about Shively, his class, and the difficulty of his exams. Even though the overwhelming majority of those making the charges were Sarah Flood's students, Utah Valley University opened a formal investigation of Michael Shively for five possibly career-ending violations of the university's code of conduct on March 8th. The investigators would look into Shively's behavior towards students and colleagues, his failure to use a computer message board, royalties he received from his textbook, and his alleged refusal to grant Sarah Flood her academic freedom. As if it were not enough that President Tumena's nephew was supposedly leading the charge against this tenured professor, when Flood sat down with President Tumena's and university administrators, she dramatically escalated this conflict. In an academic climate in which the perceptions of comfort and safety are sacrosanct, Flood told them that Shively had threatened and intimidated her and that she feared for her physical safety around him. Flood offered no evidence to back her claims, but she knew that even an unfounded allegation of potential violence required the university to take immediate disciplinary action. When Michael Shively returned to his office after teaching on March 25, university police intercepted him, took his office keys, escorted him to his car, and told him that he had to stay off campus because he was charged with, quote, a serious offense affecting the public interest. After the university's administration ordered Shively not to communicate with faculty or students, he wrote President Jimenez and asked for an explanation for his, quote, mentally traumatic and emotionally wrenching public ostracism. President Jimenez never responded to her university's five-time teacher of the year because the Jimenez Tribunal, her academic star chamber court, was already in session. 
Instead of Shively's peers, the Temenes Tribunal was composed of academic bureaucrats like Cat Brown, UVU General Counsel Karen Clemes, and an outside hired gun named Spencer Phillips, whose management-friendly law firm, Employer Lawyer LLC, according to its own website, quote, specializing in defending against employee complaints. Over the next three months, UVU investigators interviewed students and professors about Michael Shively, his exams, and his conduct in and out of the class. Of the 14 students who spoke to the Temenes Tribunal, 11 were students of Sarah Flood, and only two had actually taken Michael Shively's anatomy class. According to the, quote, preponderance of evidence standard used by the Temenes Tribunal, the burden of proof was met when there was a greater than 50% chance that an allegation was true. Tumenez's alleged nephew, student one, was the first witness to speak to the Tumenez Tribunal and told investigators that he was, quote, the spokesman for disaffected students. He told the investigators that he had, quote, pieced together the case against Shively without, quote, talking to Dr. Flood about this directly. While he did not consider Shively, quote, an out-and-out male chauvinist, at the very least, it is clear Dr. Shively is carrying the prejudices and attitudes of someone born in the 1940s. He is either unwilling or unable to adapt to the outlook and needs of contemporary women. However, when pressed by investigators, it became clear to the Temenes Tribunal that, quote, student one relied heavily on hearsay as the basis for most of his concerns. The only complaints he made based on his own experience were Dr. Shively's use of the word pathetic. Next came a parade of student witnesses who made suspiciously similar complaints about the difficulty of Shively's exams. Student two recalled Flood announcing to the class that, quote, all the tests were written by Dr. Shively. Student three complained about the hard exams and added, quote, it was hard to hear from Dr. Flood every day about how no one in the world does it this way, but this is how Dr. Shively does it. Student four called the class that she had never attended, quote, academic abuse because it, quote, adds a lot of stress. Student five initially audited Flood's class because it was, quote, way too hard, but took it, quote, for reals the next semester. Quote, I love her. She was awesome declared student six before adding that Flood, quote, told us multiple times that he, Dr. Shively, had written the tests. Student seven, one of the few students who had taken Michael Shively's class, called this test, quote, really hard. He said that students, quote, needed to know their anatomy in order to be successful in the course and added that Shively had, quote, technology phobia. Student seven met with Sarah Flood before his second meeting with the Tumenes Tribunal and told them that Flood had become, quote, more and more negative in her feelings towards Dr. Shively. Most significantly, he said that Flood's, quote, goal of running the anatomy program may not be achieved if he is allowed to return to the university. Student eight, Flood's teaching assistant, Marshall Walker, called Shively, quote, condescending and controlling and believed that this made Flood feel, quote, handcuffed, like she was, quote, walking on eggshells. Walker, quote, also confirmed that he heard Dr. Flood on numerous occasions respond to students' concerns by blaming Dr. Shively for the difficulty of exam questions. Students 9, 10, and 12 through 14, all Flood students, made now familiar complaints about difficult exams and hard grading. Student 11 contacted the investigators when she heard about the investigation because she felt that the campaign against Shively was, quote, nothing more than a witch hunt. 
Tamena's nephew, student one, didn't just encourage students to complain about Michael Shively. He also visited faculty members and encouraged them to support Sarah Flood's crusade or else. After meeting with Associate Dean Jason Slack, he followed up with an email summarizing their 30-minute conversation and demanded a written response. Not only did he give Slack a deadline, student one warned that he would take his concerns to Dr. Katherine Brown and the university's Title IX office if he found Mr. Slack's response to be, quote, absent. Student one also met with Jim Price, the head of the biology department, and made his now standard complaints about exam difficulty and then added that, quote, all of the faculty hate Shively. When Price asked Jimenez's alleged nephew if he wanted to transfer out of his class, he gave Price, quote, a strange look and said he was already in Dr. Flood's section. The professor asked why he was complaining, quote, because Shively writes the exams, he replied. After this strange conversation, Price reached out to Flood to get her side of the Shively story. Quote, Dr. Price and Dr. Flood spoke for 45 minutes by phone discussing the concerns raised by student one, wrote the Tumenez Tribunal in their final report. Quote, near the end of the conversation, Dr. Price recalled asking Dr. Flood, is everything okay with you and Shively? To which Flood replied, oh yes, we are great. Jim Price asked Sarah Flood if Shively was allowing her to write her own exam questions. She said that there was just a misunderstanding over a note that he had written her. When Price asked to see the note, Flood could not find it. Nonetheless, Jim Price took the Australian at her word and left the meeting believing, quote, that the concerns raised by student one were not generally shared by Flood. Two days after the meeting with Flood, Price received an email from student one inaccurately describing the substance of their meeting. Quote, due to the aggressive and authoritative tone of student one's letter, wrote the Tumenez Tribunal, Dr. Price sought guidance and advice of several peers before responding in a professional manner and inviting student one to seek further assistance with his concerns by contacting the university ombudsman and Title IX office. Even though Michael Shively did not know everything he had been accused of or even who his accusers were, the Tumenez Tribunal demanded interviews with him. After his first interrogation, Shively asked Scott Abbott, UVU's American Association of University Professors representative, to accompany him. Quote, this morning, at his request, I accompanied Professor S. to the second meeting he had with you after his suspension, wrote Abbott. Quote, although he was told in the last meeting that he could bring an advisor, either a colleague or legal counsel, to meet with this morning, he and I were told that UVU's general counsel consulted while I waited, said that no representative was allowed in this meeting. Abbott charged UVU's general counsel, Karen Clemens, with violating university policy. Although Shively dealt with the investigators in good faith, Scott Abbott now worried that Shively was answering questions without knowing the scope of the investigation. Abbott knew in an academic star chamber court like this one, anything the professor said could and would be held against him. Quote, I do not believe that the anonymous complaints that we reviewed on 417 came from students registered in my class. I have a much warmer relationship with my own students than I heard, Michael Shively wrote investigator Spencer Phillips on March 16th. Quote, I was unfairly portrayed to her students as dishonest and deceitful. In an effort to resolve the conflict, Shively even offered to make his exams easier. 
quote, it is my sincere belief that nearly all of the complaints about me and my testing would dissipate if I test with less rigor, easier tests. I sincerely hope that I am given an opportunity to prove this to be true. Thank you for meeting with me today. Faculty witnesses who spoke to the Tumenes Tribunal painted a far more nuanced portrait that undermined Sarah Flood's most serious accusations. Don Homan, a lecturer and lab manager who had taught anatomy at UVU for 20 years, debunked Flood's charge that Shively wrote her exams. Homan said that all three of them, quote, participated in the exam writing process and added, quote, Dr. Flood seemed, quote, overwhelmed by family issues, and she sometimes asked to be left out because of other issues she was dealing with. Former biology department chair Virginia Baer told investigators that she had advised Sarah Flood to teach her class, quote, however you want. Physiology professor Heather Wilson Ashworth told investigators that Flood complained she felt, quote, constrained and controlled by Dr. Shively. Wilson Ashworth said that she never feared for her safety around Shively, but she did describe him as, quote, controlling and aggressive towards her, i.e. academic bullying, and that he only backed down because of her willingness to push back and stand up for herself. When Wilson Answorth told Flood to tell the department chair about her problem, Flood refused and said, quote, things are fine, things are fine. Dr. Shively is helping me with my visa. Biology professor Jim Price flatly rejected the Tumenes Tribunal's assumption that Sarah Flood was the victim in this case. Instead, he told them that, quote, Dr. Shively is a victim of a hostile work environment created by Flood. According to Price, the Australian's biggest problem was that she was, quote, afraid of students, so she pandered to them. Quote, she's not able to tell them anatomy is hard and we need future patients to be in good hands, Price explained to investigators. Quote, I think she says things in class to deflect responsibility for the difficulty of the class onto Dr. Shively. And then the students complained. Price told investigators that he was growing increasingly, quote, worried about Michael Shively. Sarah Flood's turn to testify came on May 2nd. She was forced to acknowledge that Michael Shively had supported her throughout her career at UVU and that, quote, her constant finger pointing caused problems for Shively. Still, Flood made her boldest claim yet and told the Tumenes Tribunal that she, quote, worried about Dr. Shively shooting her. Flood said, quote, I know that he carries a gun. He said he carries a gun on himself all the time on campus. Flood's witness, however, told investigators that he had only told her that Shively owned guns. When asked if Shively had ever made any threats, verbal or physical, Flood admitted that he had not. When it came to the exams, she admitted that she chose not to write her own exams. Flood did further harm to her own case when she could not produce a note written by Shively and a voice recording made by a student that supposedly supported her charges. Even this one-sided investigation could not ignore the obvious fact that Sarah Flood's endgame was to get Michael Shively fired and take over the anatomy program. Initially, Flood claimed that she did not exercise her academic freedom because of job insecurity and her immigration status. After both issues, visa and tenure, were resolved, quote, she nevertheless was unwilling to work with Dr. Shively. Flood also told the Tomenez Tribunal that, quote, she has an out plan and will not teach anatomy if Dr. Shively returns to the university. 
It was now clear that Flood would not be content with anything less than Michael Shively's expulsion from UVU. Rather than dismiss the case after Flood's most serious charges were not substantiated and her conspiracy with Tamena's nephew was exposed, UVU expanded the investigation and hired an independent outside expert, Trent Stevens, to evaluate Michael Shively's textbook and exams. There was only one problem. Stevens was anything but independent, much less impartial. He and Shively had been academic adversaries for 20 years. By the summer of 2019, Michael Shively had been interrogated without counsel or faculty representation eight times and still did not know who his accusers were and everything he had been accused of. In June, Scott Abbott, Shively's faculty representative, wrote the UVU president and general counsel and charged them with violating the professor's right to due process. Quote, how does one defend oneself against accusations lacking in any detail, accusations made by unknown persons, he wrote. Quote, it is now the 21st of June, three months since Professor Shively was escorted from campus. It seems unconscionable to keep him in suspense for this length of time with no communication for weeks now. Whether they intended to or not, Utah Valley University made it impossible for Michael Shively to cope with the most traumatic event of his life. The personal and professional toll of being kicked off campus, humiliated in front of his students, potentially losing his job, and being isolated from his friends and colleagues was now clear for all to see. Shively was now barely eating or sleeping, had lost 25 pounds, and was a shadow of his former self. It was clear to his retired clinical psychologist's wife, Dr. Ann Shively, that her husband had, quote, lost touch of reality. Scott Abbott maintained weekly contact with him and was also growing concerned. Quote, the way he was speaking, the things he was saying, recalled Abbott, he was obviously not doing well psychologically. When Shively's stepson, Jim Pye, came home at his mother's request, he barely recognized his stepfather. Quote, face was sunken, there was no countenance, no spark in his eye, almost unrecognizable. His family now feared that Michael Shively was suicidal and removed all the guns and pills from his house. On July 8, Michael Shively's lawyer, Steve Sumption, received an email from Tumenez Tribunal member Kat Brown. She informed him that UVU had concluded its preliminary investigation and that many of the allegations had been substantiated. Three days later, Michael Shively returned to Utah Valley University to read the Tumenez Tribunal's final report, although his lawyer was not allowed to read it. Shively was given just two hours with the 200-page report and only allowed to take handwritten notes. The UVU general counsel gave him a week to respond to the charges in writing. When Shively requested more time and a second look at the report, Karen Clemes denied his request. A week later, on July 18th, Michael Shively emailed his response to the Temenes Tribunal. Quote, Thank you for the opportunity to respond to your investigative report. I wish I could have had more than two hours to read and digest the 31-page document and two stacks of exhibits, he wrote. Quote, I was disappointed to see that my 19-page written testimony was not represented in the main body of the report. I was shocked and disheartened by much of what I read. However, some parts were quite valuable in understanding the allegations and motivations involved in this investigation. It was now clear to Michael Shively that Sarah Flood, with the help of the UVU administration, had orchestrated this student-led coup against him and offered these examples as evidence. Quote, Miss Ng testified that she grew tired of hearing my name mentioned in a negative way every day by Dr. Flood. 
Marshall Walker testified that Dr. Flood actively solicited negative comments about me. One student even emailed his classmates that, quote, there is currently an investigation of Dr. Shively. Clayton R. claimed that Dr. Flood expressed an intention of taking over the whole anatomy program. Michael Shively reminded the Temenis Tribunal that at many universities, quote, some of these things alone could have resulted in dismissal or sanctions against Dr. Flood. Shively rejected the students' complaints as, quote, false narratives propagated by Flood. Quote, I have not changed the difficulty of the courses or the tests in the last 20 years, nor have my department chairs or deans ever expressed the need for me to do so. Please note that Dr. Flood is totally in control of her own curve, grading, use of canvas, etc. I have not threatened Sarah Flood about anything. Allegations 2, 3, and 4 are totally false. I have been unwavering in my support of Dr. Flood and have not tried to control or micromanage her in any way. Shively called the Tumenez Tribunal's decision to appoint Trent Stevens to be his, quote, independent reviewer problematic and pointed out the obvious conflict of interest. Quote, perhaps it is because some of his own material received a negative review in a presentation that Don Homan and I made in 1999 at the Human Anatomy and Physiology Convention in Baltimore, Maryland, entitled, quote, Lies, Half-Truths, and Misleading Statements in Anatomy and Physiology, wrote Shively. Twelve of my publications in peer-reviewed journals also address this subject. Finally, Michael Shively reminded the Temenez Tribunal that he was training futures doctors and nurses after all. Quote, I try to give UVU students the best anatomical background possible when preparing them for careers in the biomedical science, wrote Shively. It does require a learning effort on students' parts. I also try to treat every student and colleague with respect and courtesy. Any alleged behavior contrary to that has not previously been brought to my attention. Although Michael Shively was disappointed by the many inaccuracies in the Temenez Tribunal's final report, he called it, quote, instructive. The veteran professor was not defensive and instead expressed a willingness to, quote, change or adjust to create a better experience for students and my colleagues and stated unequivocally, quote, I am always willing to reevaluate my methods and improve them. I am open to new ideas and will incorporate changes required by UVU as soon as I learn what they are. Now the ball was back in Utah Valley University's court. Would the university fire a repentant, tenured professor? Before Michael Shively had the opportunity to change his ways, he received a call from a faculty colleague informing him that he would not be teaching the fall semester because UVU had not concluded their investigation and had not rendered a verdict in his case. Shively, however, misunderstood the conversation and hung up the phone shattered. He turned to his wife, Anne, and said, I've been terminated, and went to bed. His family had taken all of his guns, but they had forgotten about his nail gun. The next morning, his stepson found Michael Shively on the floor of his shop with a self-inflicted nail gun wound. He hung on to life for four days and then died. Today, Sarah Flood is UVU's senior anatomist and a senior UVU faculty member familiar with the situation wrote that, quote, under Flood's influence, anatomy education at UVU has gone from being the best in the state to being the worst in the state.
After Michael Shively's suicide, Utah Valley University announced that at the time of his death, he was the subject of an ongoing investigation and that, quote, most of the allegations were substantiated. However, substantiated, according to the, quote, preponderance of evidence standard used by the Tumenes Tribunal, hardly means guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. This burden of proof is met when there is a greater than 50% chance that an allegation is true. However, the most telling sign of the Tumenes Tribunal's bias was the weight they gave to the different witnesses' testimony. Although they declared Flood's concerns about her physical safety around Shively, quote, unfounded, and found, quote, no evidence that Dr. Shively engaged in any behaviors of a physically threatening behavior towards Dr. Flood, she was still declared a, quote, mostly credible witness. The Tumenes Tribunal called the report, written by Trent Stevens, Shively's longtime academic rival, quote, reliable and accorded substantial weight in formulating the conclusions reached in this investigation. They also deemed 13 of the 14 student witnesses, quote, credible, even though most had never attended a class with Michael Shively. The Tumenes Tribunal took a much harsher view of Michael Shively and declared that they had, quote, serious concerns about Dr. Shively's credibility and willingness to be open and forthcoming in the investigation process. While they described Don Homan, who challenged Flood's claims on the exam writing process as, quote, somewhat credible, they considered Jim Price's, quote, credibility compromised because he had called Flood a liar and was a longtime friend of Shively's. When it came to student one, even his alleged aunt's hand-picked panel had to admit that he had, quote, relied heavily on hearsay as the basis for most of his concerns and rejected his contention that he was not conspiring with Flood. Quote, although student one may not be coordinating his efforts with Dr. Flood, the Tumenes Tribunal concluded, his claim that he has not spoken directly to Dr. Flood about these issues is suspect and tends to undermine his credibility. In the end, they gave the actions taken by Sarah Flood and Tumena's alleged nephew a wink and nod of approval. Quote, based on the evidence reviewed above, the investigators find that Dr. Flood, with the assistance of names redacted, student eight, appropriately encouraged students with concerns about Dr. Shively to complain to the highest level of UVU administration. Student one, separately and with Dr. Flood's knowledge, also undertook efforts to collect student complaints and share these complaints with university administration for consideration and resolution. It took UVU almost two months to release a redacted version of their final report. In November 2019, Alex Simon, the president of UVU's chapter of the American Federation of Teachers, sent an open letter signed by 13 other faculty members to President Tumenes. Simon objected to UVU's treatment of Michael Shively and linked it to his suicide. Quote, although he was not a threat to others, his suspension from campus and the lengthy investigation made him a threat to himself, wrote Simon. Quote, the stress of being investigated took an enormous toll on Mike. He lost a significant amount of weight and expressed concern that his suspension would lead students and faculty to assume the worst of him. The letter also made it known that Michael Shively's was hardly an isolated incident at UVU. It made note of, quote, a well-respected professor who was the subject of a similarly one-sided investigation, reminding President Jimenez that, quote, 
after an invasive investigation that took several months was finally completed, it was determined that the allegations, which were completely unsubstantiated and false, were unfounded. Although the professor did not commit suicide, he was, quote, so traumatized by the experience that he took stress leave. In the months after Michael Shively's death, Utah Valley University's American Association of University Professors chapter investigated four more cases in which faculty members were subjected to ad hoc investigations and a pattern of quasi-legal harassment emerged. Three of the cases ended with decisions in favor of the faculty and one ended with UVU paying a settlement to one faculty member. In all of them, disgruntled students were encouraged to make anonymous accusations and coached through the official complaint process by unaccountable academic bureaucrats. Quote, in each case, UVU counsel denied or skirted due process and exerted legal pressure on faculty who had no legal support of their own, wrote AAUP Representative Scott Abbott. In 2020, Utah Valley University President Astrid Timenez, General Counsel Karen Klamez, and others were sued by tenured professor Kamal Makoski, the Turkish-American Muslim taught at the university for more than a decade without a single disciplinary incident. Makoski alleged that a group of female UVU students openly harassed him for his ethnicity. When the professor attempted to discipline them, they countered by filing complaints of sexism, sexual harassment, and gender bias with the university's Title IX office. Not only did UVU immediately open an investigation, the university raised the complaining students' grades without McCoskey's knowledge. After Professor McCoskey was cleared of all charges, the same students staged a confrontation with him and sent cell phone video recordings of it to UVU's Title IX office and sympathetic administrators. The same day, UVU received a letter from a lawyer representing one of the students involved that threatened to sue the university for, quote, harm suffered by, name redacted, due to the negligence and intentional acts of associate professor Kamal McCoskey. The next day, Utah Valley University suspended McCoskey without pay and banned him from campus. As they had done in the Shively case, UVU claimed that McCoskey posed, quote, a threat to you, the university community. After an almost four-month suspension, the Title IX director dismissed all six charges of sex-gender discrimination as unfounded, but substantiated two charges of retaliation. McCoskey challenged the findings, and with his legal complaint pending, UVU fired him, the Title IX officer, and much of the Title IX office staff. Michael Shively was not declared a threat to the safety of the UVU community because of his difficult exams or, quote, arrogance. Shively posed a much greater threat because he believed in the sanctity of the medical professions and refused to allow the hard sciences to be infected by the anti-Socratic model of higher education. Under the old Socratic model, Professors and students engaged in sometimes antagonistic dialogues to find ground truth. Over the past two decades, American academia's managerial elite have replaced it with a decidedly student-centric model that has made profit maximization and students' perceived comfort and safety a higher priority than their education. Sadly, under this new academic regime, professors are now afforded neither comfort or safety. Unless the Tenth Circuit Court intervenes, not even due process.